Good afternoon. My name is Chris Jenkins of JL Thomas Chartered Accountants, and I'm joined here today by my colleagues Philip Williams and Rachel Doyle. We're also pleased to have Chris Evans and Hannah Belton of Morgan Roche join us in our conversation today. We're going to be looking at the topic of succession planning and restructuring for the next generation with some positive advice around planning despite the outbreak of coronavirus. As we know, having spent significant time developing a successful business, business owners should always issue a long-term plan to replace provide security for their own retirement, ensuring that the business continues to develop successfully after days at the helm. In the case of an MBO or trade sale, it's always important to ensure others in the organisation have the right skills, knowledge and contacts to ensure the business is not purely dependent upon the leaving party. However, coronavirus came out of the blue and has certainly derailed those plans that were in place. Business valuations will need to be reassessed, which could impact upon sales price and in turn impact upon the post-retirement lifestyle. But how would you prepare the financials when the landscape has changed so much and the future is so uncertain? How have the legals changed? What else do you need to reconsider or consider to protect yourselves and the business moving forward? Through our discussion today, we aim to give some positive advice and proactive steps to assist in succession planning. Chris, I'm going to come over to you first. Um, I'm going to ask some questions to you all in uh, one go at the moment, so uh, apologies here. Um, do you anticipate that COVID-19 will have any impact on succession issues? And if it means that there's no, no succession, what are the options? Another thing is, you know, the, around the legals. You know, what, what, what are the legal issues planning that needs to be undertaken when dealing with succession matters? Are these changed because of COVID-19? And um, the last one, what are the benefits of a shareholders agreement and how do they dovetail in with some of the other documents such as wills, etc.? Chris, do you want to uh, kind of take it away? Yeah, uh, thanks for that. Yeah, I'll, I'll try and break it down into sort of obviously um, those those sort of key areas that you've looked at. Um, I think the, the initial sort of question you asked, so what what issues will COVID have really on succession issues? Um, I think realistically, COVID has had a significant impact on sort of business planning and succession. Um, COVID obviously has impacted different sectors in different ways. Um, and you know, for some business owners, they, they, they've been flat out if they've been in, for example, sectors such as logistics, whereas in some sectors, they've had to close down and they've had to furlough all their staff. I think the only positive for, for the business owners who have had to you know, close their operations down, it has actually given them an opportunity to sit down and carefully sort of reevaluate uh, and look at their business structure um, and also look at succession uh, properly. Um, I think from our experience of working with business owners, um, they, they tend to be very busy driven people who, who tend to be focused very much on the operational aspects of their business. And, and quite often we find that uh, business owners may only well address succession um, when key issues such as, you know, sort of uh, death or, or ill health uh, or, or retirement is pending. Um, and, and the reality is at that point, it can often be difficult to, to, to plan a successful succession. So um, interestingly, uh, as a consequence of COVID, I've, I've already had a number of inquiries from business owners who've, who've had an opportunity to sit down and think about uh, what uh, their business structure needs to look like and what steps they need to take place to, uh, to implement that. So I think there is definitely a positive you know, to be gained uh, during these sort of gloomy times in terms of business owners take, taking sort of responsibility for, for looking at their, their business structure. And also, you know, if there is no sort of family 
to uh, to pass the business down to um you know they they need to be looking at uh, what are the sort of exit routes are open to them um particularly you know whether there are any sort of key managers uh, within the business that, that that they can develop with a view to a potential uh, management buyout or alternatively how do they sort of develop the business and the value drivers with a view to, to getting a successful uh, trade sale uh, underway? Uh, and I think any of those plans is ultimately underpinned by a solid sort of foundation. Um, and that usually means putting your house in order from a legal perspective, uh, because that will inevitably make succession much easier um, at the back end. So uh, by ensuring that there are proper sort of legal documents, such as leases for any property interests, uh, key employment contracts uh, around key staff uh, and then shareholder agreements to deal with um, obviously shareholder issues. Um, you've obviously one of the sort of um, issues you've asked in terms of shareholder agreements um, and I think the significant benefit uh, to, to companies putting in place shareholder agreements I think ultimately one of the key points is that it provides certainty uh, to all the shareholders um, they have a clear structure and know uh, what is going to happen in different uh, circumstances. And um, you know, key key issues that are typically covered by shareholder agreements are matters such as you know decision making and sort of voting rights, um, processes for sort of exiting a company, and also looking at what valuation sort of uh, methods may be applied when when looking at sort of exit situations. Um, also, um, importantly, they can include um, dispute resolution processes, um, as well as sort of dividend policies, so that everybody knows roughly what, what that policy is. And, you know, for a number of companies, which may be held on a 50-50 basis, for example, it can also importantly include sort of deadlock resolution. Um, and, you know, on the flip side um, of um, sort of advising clients who haven't got shareholder agreements, um, our litigation team, for example, often gets involved in, in deadlock sort of resolution uh, disputes because there is no uh, shareholders agreement uh, and there is no way to, to effectively uh, provide a, an avenue for those sort of deadlocks to be resolved. So um, I suspect that you know, business owners would potentially you know, save significant time, costs and effort in terms of addressing these issues. Um, through a shareholders agreement, as, as opposed to um, obviously the, the risks and the costs that's, that's faced with litigation uh, in a shareholder dispute scenario. And you've also got to remember that most companies um, that have not given any thought to their structure and, and if they've simply sort of adopted the, the, the table A articles, and if they don't have a shareholders agreement, you know, there, there, there won't be any provisions such as preemption rights, uh, which means that, um, you know, that, that could leave uh, the remaining shareholders exposed if, if one shareholder wanted to, to exit. So, you know, we, we quite often sort of um, advise on, on putting in place shareholder agreements uh, and it gives not just the business owner, but his family, um, importantly, that uh, clarity on what might happen in certain circumstances. Um, you know, we, we've often been involved in, in other situations where shares have been sort of automatically sort of uh, transferred um, via will to another family member um, and uh, that has again resulted in a dispute scenario because often that you know that other family member won't have any necessarily skills uh, or uh, to, to be able to add any value to the company 
And um, in, in that situation, often they're only interested in, in looking at what dividends they're entitled to, which often ends up in dispute. So um, I think there's a number of, um, number of key drivers there for, for business owners, if they haven't already, uh, to, to look at so putting in place shareholder agreements. And um, you know, I think realistically a number of businesses are now at a point where uh, they're also having to, to, to re-evaluate um, you know, values um, based on obviously what has happened through COVID. Um, and you know, we suspect or expect that sort of the next sort of 12 months could be difficult uh, in terms of the economy. Um, so I think you know, the, the key underlying sort of, uh, uh, sort of point really is, is to plan ahead in these situations and try and um, use any downtime that you've now got because of the situation we're in to, uh, to, to plan ahead. Thanks, Chris. Um, very informed, David. And kind of latching on to uh, what you said then uh, and touched upon earlier on about the kind of the valuations and, um, you know, reassessing the valuations of the business. You know, it's uh, projections, budgets, cash flows, you know, they've always been an important tool for businesses to assure the successful running of a business. Uh, and you know, those that didn't prepare them as a matter of practice previously, you know, certainly have to get a grip to them now when looking for funding due to this kind of pandemic. Um, preparing projections is never easy, you know, it's, it's basically looking into the future and trying best to guess the, the financial figures and timing of the said figures as the best way as possible. And, you know, if, if the economic landscape itself is unknown, this adds a whole level of complexity. Um, Rachel, I'm going to ask you a, a few questions now. Um, how do you see the coronavirus impacting on future income costs? Um, well, that's a very um, wide question, I think, because as Chris has already said, depending on the um, industry that your business is in, you um, may well have seen a downturn because of COVID. Uh, but if you're in financial services or um, IT, you know, manufacturer of PPE, you might be actually seeing a boom. So I think any projections that a business owner might have had in place previously um, are, are basically blown, been blown out of the water by COVID, one way or another. Um, <clears throat> it's always been, as you say, you know, a, a key part of succession planning that uh, the outgoing business owner has got projections in place. Because the, the, um, the, the key is, is in assessing how much cash uh, may be available to fund his retirement. Now, you asked about the uh, you know, future income you know, as, a, as a result of coronavirus. Um, it may be the case that um, income will you know, are basically tailed off completely. Um, it may uh, drop in the future. We may see a sort of W-shaped trend where um, you know, we, we come out of lockdown and income comes up. But then what happens if we have a second wave? You know, what happens if we have a second lockdown this winter? You know, income may drop again. And then if you're thinking about uh, costs, um, you may have additional costs that you might not have had as a result of COVID. So thinking about uh, making our premises uh, coronavirus safe, so do we need to spend money on screens and signage, partitions, that sort of thing? Um, home working is likely to be on the increase, depending on the type of business that you're in. So there'll be additional costs there. We'll have um, you know, IT costs, um, monitors, phones for employees. But we might also see cost savings um, as a result of home working. So a business might be able to go down the path now where they actually save on establishment costs because a lot of the employees are gonna be based at home. So all in all, it's, it's really unlikely that any pre-pandemic projections will still be valid. 
So when we're looking at future profitability, which is the first step in looking at future cash availability, then our advice has got to be, you need to um, reassess your projections, have a fresh look now. How was, um, how will the cost of a business exit be funded as uh, coronavirus related loans and tax deferrals will, you know, they'll need to be financed? Well, yes, that, that, that's the next step really. So we've talked about profitability and how it's gonna look in the future. But in terms of succession, the importance of profitability is at the end of the day, how much cash availability is gonna be in my business to fund my retirement. Because um, you know, it's very common for outgoing business owners to be using the surplus cash within the business to help fund the retirement because the incoming owners, especially when you're looking at MBOs and that sort of thing, um, people these days simply don't have the cash to buy into the business 100%. So that's the importance of looking at cash. Now, in terms of you know, where we are as, as a result of coronavirus, well, a lot of businesses have taken out additional loans. You know, we've got the um, uh, coronavirus interruption loans, we've got the uh, bounce back loans. Now, whilst the repayments for those may not uh, kick in until next year, at some point they're gonna have to be repaid. So that's cash coming out of the business. Um, then you're looking at deferrals of tax. So let's not forget that a lot of businesses wouldn't have paid their last quarter's VAT. They may not have paid the self-assessment uh, payment that was due in, in, in July. They may have got time to pay arrangements for tax. So at some point, probably early next year, those tax payments are going to catch up with that. And those are just the sort of direct impact of coronavirus. Not to mention uh, funding maybe losses that the business has seen over the last three months. Uh, future losses. Um, we need to replenish working capital. All this comes at a cost to cash. So whatever the projected cash flow, it is likely that an outgoing owner won't be in as strong as a position to fund his retirement through the business. And what is that gonna mean in terms of how he uh, funds his life outside of uh, the business when he is retired? You know, is it all doom and gloom? So with all this uncertainty, how are you advising business owners moving forward? Um, well, I think the, the crux of what I'm saying in terms of projections is that we need to have a fresh look at projections. They're just one small part of um, a, a, a successful and, and good succession plan. And whether you're looking to retire soon or whether this is part of a five-year sort of business grooming exercise, it's key that they're looked at now um, and looked at with um, a sort of fresh pair of eyes as a result of coronavirus. In my experience, you know, retirement and succession planning is not only about the financing and the, the legals. Retire, retiring from a business is like a highly emotional um, decision for the business owner. So what I'm seeing with my clients now, where, where they've had succession plans that were in the process of happening, uh, they are feeling a lot of uncertainty and frustration because they feel they have to put their plans on hold for you know, maybe an indefinite amount of time. Mm. And they really want to be working in a business in five years' time, and, and now they feel they're sort of stuck with it. So my advice would be really, you know, let's take a fresh look at the figures. Let's see what uh, the cash position is going to be in the next few years. And it may not be as bad as you think. Thanks, Richard. Um, 
we touched upon it earlier on, and uh, Han, I'm going to come over to you um, uh, in a bit now. Um, you know, a vital aspect of succession planning is, is always to assure that, you know, the skills, the contacts, networks, you know, the passed on to the, the, the next generation, uh, rather than be lost on the exit of a, of a business owner. Um, Hannah, you know, with, um, with the exit of a business owner, you know, it could create a loss of knowledge of contacts that we built up over a number of years. How can this be prevented in uh, your experience? Chris. Well, in a perfect world, we would see owners and managing directors giving plenty of notice about their planned departure, helping to select and train their successors. Um, but as we know, this isn't unfortunately always the case. Where owners leave, there needs to be a strategic plan in place to seamlessly replace them. The goal in succession planning should always be to ensure stability in the business, the sustainability, and most importantly, for clients and customers, continuity. Additionally, a key part of succession planning is to develop the talent within the business to ensure that there is a leadership pipeline for the future, especially if we're also looking at future MBOs as well. So some tips for succession planning include to understand the organisation's leadership needs and business goals. What type of talent and skills and personality traits do you need to get there? Uh, what are your organisation's knowledge gaps and how can you resolve them? Proactively start preparing your emerging leaders to ensure a robust pipeline for the future. So look at your employees and provide them with consistent and meaningful training and development opportunities. Provide additional responsibilities and opportunities to help foster a deeper bench of future leaders in your organisation. So you could invest in middle managers, um, investment and training and opportunity, for example, makes them more loyal to the business and more likely to stay. There are also significant benefits from promoting within and growing your own talent. Obviously, by doing that, you capture the institutional knowledge, some of the things that are quite often lost when key members of staff move on. But you also um, can promote from within. It can improve team morale. People can see that there are progression in the career path that they've chosen to take. And it will increase retention and engagement across the rest of the staff. Obviously, as I said at the beginning, having consistent teams will serve clients and customers better. And it's obviously less costly to uh, develop your own talent from within and grow organically than it would be to constantly do recruitment exercises and start recruiting externally. You could look at financially incentivizing staff. Um, you could be looking at things such as key performance indicators, linking that to performance incentive targets, share options and bonus schemes. But I think the key message is any change in leadership has to be communicated, not only internally, but externally, because otherwise the um, sustainability for customers and clients will have a knock-on effect. Thanks, Anna. Um, what can be done to ensure that when, you know, when the knowledge and the contacts uh, are passed on, the recipient then doesn't leave and take the knowledge with them? Um, the key to doing that is making sure you've got robust contracts of employment or director's service agreements in place. Um, we're frequently trying to protect business interests by putting in non-compete clauses, um, non-poaching clauses, non-solicitation non clauses. So you're protecting not only the data and the customer base that you have, but also protecting those good employees that you don't potentially want to be poached um, from your organisation into another organisation or to a new startup, for example. So each contract does need to be looked at on a case-by-case -case basis because depending on how senior and how important the individual is, depends on how extreme those clauses need to be drafted. You'd also need to look at having confidentiality clauses in your contracts. 
and its confidentiality not only during employment but post termination as well to ensure that no confidential information is being used after the termination of employment. But also since the general data protection regulations has come in, organisations should be ensuring that their data protection policies are reflected in their contracts of employment and service agreements to ensure that no personal data is being copied, used or transferred in a way which is in breach of the Data Protection Act. Thanks Anna. Phil, all uh, good plans certainly need to be run through a good uh, tax specialist to ensure they provide the most tax efficient solutions. Um, whether we're in normal times or during this pandemic, is it vitally important to get the sound tax viewpoint on, the, on any approach? Um, I think it's um, a joint thought, you know, in light of uh, all the government support that has been made available, that tax rates, reliefs, you know, they're going to have to change, um, you know, certainly to kind of recoup all the support that's been uh, um, provided. A couple of questions for you now, Phil. Um, what are your thoughts on the tax areas that the HMRC would, could change? Um, is there a window of opportunity now for businesses to act? Um, you know, what's your best advice then for uh, what business should owners be looking at now? Thanks, Chris. Yeah, well, as you rightly say, um, the amount of money that the government has spent over the last couple of months has been quite eye-watering, really. And clearly, it's going to have to be paid for in, uh, in some way. And tax is, is obviously one of the main uh, sources of government funding. So I think what is absolutely clear is that in the next uh, few months, there will be substantial tax changes and increases in tax um, in, the, uh, in the UK economy. I, I know one of, one of the things that's often mooted is the possibility of increasing income tax, possibly increasing VAT. And I think that would be a possibility, but I don't think it's going to be anything too radical because that is going to affect the ability of people to spend and it's going to be people spending money, which is going to uh, bring the economy uh, back out of recession eventually, I would imagine. Similarly with corporation tax, there could be an increase in corporation tax, but again, I don't think it's going to be very substantial because companies are already going to be suffering from, um, as, as, as Rachel has explained, there the, the are real problems in, in, in funding and, and, and companies being able to, and businesses being able to repay uh, the loans that they've taken out. We've already uh, seen that something like the um, AIA allowance for capital allowances, we know that that is currently at 1 million, but that's only up to the 31st of December. Uh, 2020 and then after it's going to drop to 200,000 which is obviously going to affect the ability of uh, companies and, and businesses to reclaim on capital expenditure. So there, there, there are two main areas which I think the government could really uh, go to town on uh, in terms of trying to recoup some of the money which they have spent and that is in the area of capital gains tax and also in the area of inheritance tax. With regards to capital gains tax, uh, even before uh, COVID-19, we've seen the entrepreneur relief uh, fall from 10 million to 1 million as from the 6th of April uh, 2020. And I would, it wouldn't surprise me if uh, at some time in the future, the rates of capital gains tax will increase. I mean, at the moment, unless it's a residential property, the, the highest rate of capital gains tax is 20%. I could easily see that increasing, not uh, uh, insubstantially, uh, because 
it's uh, it's an easy tax to, uh, to to collect on. The other issue with both um, income tax uh, and is that it's very difficult to change a rate of tax mid financial year. With capital gains tax and inheritance tax, that's not too difficult. You know, they can say, well, any disposals up to a certain date will be taxed at the old rates. After that, they'll be taxed at new rates. So I think capital gains tax would be one which we could see some radical changes in uh, in, the next, in, in the next couple of months. I think one of the biggest areas is going to be inheritance tax. Um, there was, even before COVID-19, um, inheritance tax was muted as an area which was going to be um, uh, undergo very substantial changes. And in fact, there was an all-party parliamentary group. So this is a parliamentary group made up of people from all, all parties who've made some very radical suggestions as to how uh, inheritance tax might change. For instance, they have suggested a flat rate charge on death and lifetime gifts of 10%. That same, sounds quite good. However, they've talked about the abolition of business property relief, of agricultural property relief, the abolition of the residence nil rate band. Now, all these are very substantial reliefs when you come to look at somebody's estate. And I think one of the most radical ones that they've suggested is that pension funds could be taxed on death, could become liable to inheritance tax. Now, at the moment, over the last few years, inherit, uh, pension funds have been a big planning factor for inheritance tax because they, uh, they haven't been uh, 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 liable to inheritance tax. They've been uh, a useful, um, or the flexibility that was built into uh, pension funds and being able to extract funds was something which lots of people have used. And uh, that could be a really uh, nasty hit um, if you're looking at in, in terms of people's estate. Um, a couple of other things that they've, that they've mooted is that an annual allowance of, of 30,000 uh, on lifetime gifts before you start having to pay inheritance tax on lifetime gifts. They've also talked about abolishing capital gains tax uh, uplift on death, where at, at the moment, uh, when somebody dies, if there's a property that's been bought um, some a uh, few years ago, they, uh, the beneficiaries will inherit that property at the value at the date of death. So there'll be no capital gains tax on that increase from the day that it's been bought up to the date of death. What they're saying now is, well, we'll abolish that. The beneficiaries will acquire that asset, but it'll be at the value at which the, uh, at which the deceased acquired it. So there's some really big changes possible in both in terms of capital gains tax and inheritance tax, which uh, really um, blow some quite large holes in current uh, inheritance tax planning. Okay, so is there, is there a window kind of a opportunity for, for them to act now? You know, what, what, what's your, your advice then really to, um, you know, what business owners should be doing considering, you know, is it, you know, uh, do something now, or is it a case of, you know, just wait to see how, you know, what's your advice, Phil? Uh, I, th I think people should be looking now to do things now if they possibly can. Um, there's normally an autumn statement in November, um, which the Chancellor uh, will give. And I would imagine, uh, I think everybody was anticipating that the autumn statement in November would um, include announcements of, of, of tax changes. Um, the, the, in the last couple of days in the press, there has actually been 
mooted that there could possibly be an emergency budget as early as the week commencing the 6th of July. If that's the case, then there's very little time left to do, uh, to, to, to do an awful lot. But let's, let's work on, on the basis that things may change in November. So yes, if, if things change in November, quite often what happens in the, um, uh, when, when they introduce measures during, during the year, they will say, well, as from the date of that announcement, things will change, especially on, as I mentioned on things like capital gains and inheritance tax. So whatever, whatever is likely to happen, at the very most, there's a, there may be a three or four month planning window to actually think about doing something if that's possible. Okay, so I mean, there is a window of opportunity. It could be extremely small. At the most, it's not going to, you know, it's a matter of, of, of maybe three or four months. Thanks, Phil. Um, thanks, guys. I know I'm going to kind of call it um, to an end there. I'm just uh, kind of uh, conscious to keep it as a, 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 a smallest kind of session, um, bite size. Um, so, Chris, can I, can I just add a couple of things which perhaps people might want to think about doing? Of course, is yeah. That okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, this is at a time when 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 share values are are lower. Okay, so it may be a good time for businesses to start thinking about passing on shares to family members. Um, both um, Chris and Hannah have mentioned the the the, the, the need to maybe prepare. Uh, employees who are senior management uh, and Hannah mentioned share options again this would be a good time to do it if the share values are low if you use an EMI scheme a, sh a low share value now will, will, will would benefit the the, the employee uh, quite a lot when they come to uh, exercise that option and, and, and dispose of their shares but I mean I, I think there are opportunities there even even if even if things do change quite quite uh, Quite radically okay the other thing is it, it is possibly for a business owner if he doesn't want to lose control of the company or, or relinquish control at the moment but would like to get rid of some of the value in that especially if business property relief is going is maybe the use of trusts um, with the with the children or other family members as beneficiary of that trust owning shares in the company uh, of a different class different voting rights but he maintaining um, control of the company through his voting rights. The, 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 there are things which which people can think about and which may be worth them doing. I mean, property companies are properties at a low uh, at low value now. In which case, it might be a good time to uh, to, to transfer them into a, a property company. The, there are plenty of ideas which can be worked on. Which hopefully, you know, as as Chris said, people have got more time at the moment. And therefore, they have an opportunity to think and to plan and to think what they want to do. And uh, it now is the time to, I think, to come and, and start talking and 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 and, and suggesting. Well, I'd like to, to to do this. This is what how I'd like to plan and, and to talk through with, with with the likes of ourselves and 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 Chris and and Hannah, so that you can begin to get a, a plan in place. Okay, uh, those are just a few thoughts. Fantastic. Thanks, Phil. Um, okay, Chris, Hannah, do you want to kind of um, add anything on the end before we kind of uh, wrap it up? Uh, uh, I think that's been quite a sort of good sort of overview in terms of some key action points for, for business owners uh, to go off and, and have a think about. Um, 
And uh, as, as I said previously, just touching there on so what, what Phil said, um, some business owners will have some time on their hands now to, to, to carefully look and plan ahead. And um, it's, it's a good time to ultimately implement those plans, and, um, uh, which many business owners uh, always talk about doing, but never get around to doing. So that, that was the time to, to take it the next step, I think. Fantastic. Cool. Um, are you happy? Um, I seem to be happy for us to share kind of contact details uh, that accompany this video, Chris Hanna. Yeah. Fantastic. Okay. Um, yet again, no, thanks very much, Chris uh, and Hannah of uh, Morgan LaRoche, uh, Phil and uh, Rachel of Gerald Thomas. We're going to circle this video. Um, again, any kind of questions, any advice, just come and see myself, Phil, Rachel, Chris, uh, or Hannah, we'd be more than pleased to kind of uh, help you uh, and advise uh, accordingly. So, Look after yourselves and uh, thank you very much. Okay.